2: Hey everyone, my guest today is the kind and generous John Stamos, who you know from General Hospital, Full House, ER, Necessary Roughness, Grandfathered, Thieves, and Big Shot, now in its second season on Disney+. Plus, John and I talk about how he got punched in high school and vowed to become famous, walking in on a girlfriend and discovering an extra pair of feet, the legacy of Bob Saget, mediocre parenting advice, John's upcoming memoir, If You Would Have Told Me, how he met his wife, how I met my husband, making time for the important things, and a lot more. Today's caller is Derek, whose 11-year on-and-off relationship has led to his mistaking drama and obsession with passion and love. Now he finds himself unappreciative of more stable, generous partners and wonders how he might break the pattern. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast, if you would like some unqualified relationship advice, we would love to hear from you. You'll find a link in our show notes.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host Anna Ferris.
3: Hi,
2: John. Hi, Anna. I can't thank you enough.
0: What? I can't thank you enough. I'm such a fan. You're so great on this thing. I don't think we've ever met, but I'm so glad we're meeting now.
2: That is really kind. When you think of the idea of home, Mm -hmm. is Los Angeles that place for you?
0: I think of home as Orange County. My parents are both gone now, which breaks my heart. My dad died a long time ago, but my mother died about eight years ago. And I kept our house. It was a house I grew up in. And my mother kept every single, everything, which was cool because I could go back and I saw that you wrote a memoir. I don't want to talk to you about that, but I just said yes to doing it. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? But I'm really glad I'm doing it because it is cathartic and my mom kept every scrap of it. But what she did was really beautiful too. And Maybe you do this for your son. She wrote a lot of notes all the time and left them all over the place. And just when you need the note the most, you find it. It wasn't long after she passed away. I'm looking at one of them. I was at my lowest and I was in the house and I'm crying. And I looked over and I saw a little piece of pink paper that she had, and it said, life is an occasion, rise to it. Don't be sad because I died, be happy because I lived, I had a wonderful life.
2: What a gift.
0: Yeah. So I email my son, you know, he's four, but I mean, I'm going to write some more notes to him.
2: The idea of dying with generosity is really profound.
0: Isn't it? Talk about dying with generosity, Bob Saget. Did you know Bob? You must have known Bob over the years, huh?
2: I adored that man. I did not know him well.
0: Yeah. When he died, as you know, he has a tsunami of love that came towards him. And one of the most heartbreaking things for me was that he didn't know how loved he was. He was very insecure, you know, as all of us are, but I just wish he could, maybe he's watching, uh, know how loved he was and how many people's lives he touched. I mean, every day I have someone come, you know, Bob, saved my sister with this. And my, Bob did that.
2: I wonder if that reflection, too, has given you something.
0: For sure. I mean, not only has it reassured that to honor him is to tell everybody that you love them, that you care about them, that you're proud of them. Yeah. You know, say something great because, you know, tomorrow's never promised. He was that way. He left nothing on the table. When he loved you, you knew it and everybody around him knew it. That's one thing, and he died in January, and we started up the second season of the show Big Shot a few months later, and I pitched the story about my character losing a friend, a mentor, and he dies, and all this nice stuff is said about him, and then I'm going, like, what about my legacy? What am I leaving behind? What have I done in this world? And at the end, the girls bring around all these people, and they tell me what my character meant to them and how I touched their lives, and it, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful tribute story to Bob, so yeah.
2: And probably healing for you to a degree, I guess. I don't know. I don't really subscribe to the idea of closure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. like right.
2: I think these things are kind of important scars.
0: Yeah. And, and Coco. Remember the movie Coco? Yeah. Like you have to keep talking about it. You have to keep going with their legacy and telling stories about them. And I seem to be doing a lot of, because it's still only been, you know, seven, eight months. And I do believe you have to like take the hit, take it, boom, let it hit you, deal with it, let it kind of go out. But a piece of me is gone the same with my parents and it's never coming back. You get used to it, the poking, you know. Right. But um, you've handled things with grace over the years.
2: Thanks. I don't, I don't know if I have. I mean, my parents are still alive. I love them very much. I cannot anticipate their loss.
0: You're close with them, I assume, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm close with them. So I think my public traumas have been my two divorces. You know, in fact, that's how I knew Bob.
0: You were married to Bob? I never knew. (laughs) Nobody told me. I wish.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But my first husband was on a show called Raising Dad with Bob. Oh, right, right, right. He was like a side character.
0: Right. So you married him. That didn't work. You didn't have a child with him.
2: No. No, we didn't even talk about it. Really? I think that that's when you know.
0: Yeah, you got to go in talking about that.
2: We weren't futurizing
0: at all. How old is
2: your son now? He's 10. He just turned 10.
0: Wow, what's that like?
2: It's awesome. It really is. He is funny. He's empathetic, which I'm proud of, and he's kind. But both Chris and I, because we grew up in Washington State, are new to this industry, like hustling yeah. like salesmen, you know? And he doesn't have that. He doesn't need it. Right, right. Like right now, his dream is to own a fishing shop.
0: On a lake. Cool. (laughs) Hugely successful. It's better than, mom, I want to be an Instagram star.
2: I'm worried that that's coming.
0: How do you keep them away from that? Now, no phones yet, or when does that start? And I need advice.
2: He doesn't have a phone, but I'm embarrassed about how much I let him play on the iPad. I have a little bit of a laissez-faire older (laughs) parent
0: attitude. Right. It's hard, right? My child's four, so it's just dad, dad, mom. God, four is awesome, though, right? He is awesome, yeah. He's so beautiful.
2: They're fundamentally adorable. Yeah. They're getting into everything, though.
0: What are the things that you did that were right, do you feel?
2: Oh, that's a nice question. I play with him a lot. I like to do a lot of imaginary play. You know, we don't have a nanny anymore, but he has a lot of, like, the structure. Sometimes I feel like I am the bad nanny. (laughs) You know, like, I'll let him push me into the pool with all my clothes on.
0: (laughs) That's a good (laughs) nanny. But they have to have structure, right? I don't know, because this is my first child, but it seems like now especially these formative years is when the work has to happen where you have to be that asshole and keep him on schedule and get him to bed on time and you know it's easier to give them what they want when they start squawking. but am i right
2: yeah you're right
0: okay thank god
2: other than that i don't have any parenting advice but john i wanted to ask you how old you were when you first fell in love
0: i was always in love i always wanted to be in love i always wanted to have a relationship i always wanted a family i came from a great family of two beautiful sisters and My parents were great. You know, my mom had enough love to fuel a small country, I would say. Like, she was just so, you know, she'd find the best part of you. Forget anything bad, and she would define you as that. And like you said, dying with, what did you say?
2: Generosity. Generosity, yeah.
0: Yeah. She is a shining example of that. You could tell who just talked to her because they were smiling and they were happy. She didn't take anything from you. She gave and filled you up, and then you went on. So I had that beautiful thing. So I wanted to have a family. I wanted to do that. But I had a couple early heartbreaks that just killed me. High school? A little bit in high school, you know, I talk about this in this book a little bit, but I was just coming out of the caterpillar phase in like 11th or 12th grade, and there was a hot girl who said she wanted to go out with me, and I remember it was this block party. I was sitting in the car with some other girl talking, and somebody said, oh, my God, this girl wants to go out with you. She thinks you're cute. She wants to go. And I went into this party and told everybody. Well, it turns out her boyfriend was a few houses down at the cool jock thing, and I'm sitting in this car, and he comes up to me and says, roll the window. I was like, hey, man. Boom. Punches me right in the what? black eye. I was like, what do you do? What's going on here? You know, it was terrible.
2: That is awful.
0: Awful. And I lived with that for so long. Yeah. You know, and he was always haunting me at school and writing, you know, stuff. I'm going to kill you. You couldn't go to a counselor back then. One day I looked in the mirror. I said, that's it. I got to take care of this. I got to become famous and have bodyguards and have them beat him up. <laughs> and I remember like for a while there, each monumental achievement was like, okay, now I'm going to show that son of a bitch. you know. I mean? <laughs> but um, I'm not bitter.
2: Little did he know that he was like this subversive fuel for you.
0: That's exactly it. I want to dedicate the book to this guy because without him, I wouldn't be here right now. But I was always a romantic lover. And same thing happened on General Hospital. There was a girl who was an actress and, you know, they said she wanted to go out with me. I was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I was so in love with her. And I went out for about a year and she had a kid. And I was like, I'm going to be a dad to this kid. And I was, you know, maybe 19 or 20, I think. I don't even think I was 20. And dated for about a year, and then all of a sudden, you know, I couldn't get a hold of her. For, you know, I drove her to her house, and I oh. walked in on her in bed with someone else. I just saw their feet, actually, and I just have that image in my mind.
2: What did you do in that moment?
0: Did you just leave? Yeah, I left, because I didn't know who it was, and then as I was walking by this guy's car, I, I looked in the back of it, and then when I saw, I knew who it was, I was like, oh, he's a boxer. I better, <laughs> I better run. I was just so heartbroken. I remember I just couldn't leave my bed. You know, I was just so depressed. And it went on for a long time. And I wish I could go back to that guy. You know, don't you wish you can go back to your younger self and go, it's going to be okay,
2: man. Yeah.
0: Trust me, you're not going to want to be with this girl for the rest of your life. And it's going to be okay. All your dreams are going to come true. And you're going to have a beautiful wife one day and a kid. You know, everything is so heavy when we're young, right? Could you imagine growing up with social media? No. That would have killed me too. Oh, completely.
2: code buttery exclusions apply see site for details but john what a testament to your character that you are like a deep romantic i think that is a really beautiful quality oh. i loved it that you wanted to be generous not to overuse the word with your heart that you wanted Stability. Yeah. I do think as actors, some of us crave our futures to be settled. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think that's why I got married the first time. Everything else feels so uncertain. I don't know when I'm going to get my next job. I don't know what is around the corner.
0: Did you talk about kids with Chris?
2: Yeah, we did a bit, but it still felt like our industry at that time in my life, and I think that this is true for both marriages. That the ambition required so much energy. Mm -hmm. The meetings, the auditions, the openings. The rejection. The rejection. Yeah, it felt so consuming. Yes. It was like, I don't think there's room. But it's one of the many gifts, I think, about getting older.
0: Yes. Perspective. You know, I know I'm a guy, so it was easier, but I was 56 when Billy was born. And I couldn't have handled it early on. You know, I had a bad 10 years of not living the way my parents raised me and the way that they would be proud of me. And that went on too long. And that started with the heartache. That started with the death of my father and a divorce. And I'm not blaming anybody. It's my fault. I'm just saying the two have been sort of lost for so many years. I was still Peter Pan. And I went into adulthood kicking and screaming. You know, and everybody's saying, you look young, man. You know, And then sort of trying to be that dude that I thought people thought I was. But, you know, what the fuck was that about? And I remember my dream was like, your life is like a porpoise orgy. He's like, slow down, man. You know, he said, you've done it. You don't have to try everybody. Just live right. But that particular heartache just went on so long. And I wish I would have pulled it together sooner.
2: No, no. I think your reflection is important. Yeah. That's why your book is going to be really helpful. Do you have a title for it yet?
0: Yes, it's called If You Would Have Told Me. If You Would Have Told Me. If you would have told me when I was a kid that I'd be talking to Anna Ferris right here, right now on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but all this stuff, right? All the great things we've gotten to do in our career. I've been so lucky. And now I come out on the other side, of just gratitude, gratitude. And again, get back to the kid was that I couldn't handle it in my forties. Because you're trying to figure yourself out. Like you said, you're dealing with me, 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 and audition and heartbreak and getting jobs and travel and people say, well, what have you learned about being a dad? I'm like, now I know why there's so many fucked up people in this world because to be a good parent, I think it just takes so much, so much love and so much patience and so much sacrifice and common sense and my wife has all that i have maybe one of those or two it's like slow down man you know like i can get that now like slow the fuck down you don't need to go email someone you don't need to call someone your son is right here the other night they came home from disneyland he was asleep and i was carrying him to his bed he was out and laid him down i gave him a little kiss i was creeping out he goes dad and i had so much to do i said yes and could you read me a book i'm like oh Yes. Yes, I can. What I have to do is not that important. And I sat and read him a book and it was just a moment I'll remember forever. But I couldn't have done that, you know, in my 30s or 40s.
2: I completely agree. I'm grateful for what age has given me. Yeah. I feel like a fundamentally more content person.
0: That's the way it should be if we evolve properly, right? If we learn from our mistakes.
2: Will you give us a little love letter to your wife? Mm. Will you tell us how you met? And will you tell us what qualities really drew.
0: I would love to. Do you know that show, Law & Order, SBU?
2: I've never had the chance to do that hard work. <laughs> but I always feel like the guest stars, man, they have the journey.
0: Yeah. And they called me and they said, they've written this role on there. And I was like, I don't want to do guest spot. They said, no, no, just hear that. They think you're absolutely perfect for it. There's nobody else they want to play this role. I was like, right, what is it? He's a serial abuser. He gets all these women pregnant, and then he has 47 children. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa what, what, 47 children? What that me? You know, he was so egotistical, like he wanted to spread his progeny everywhere. And it was an interesting role. But Caitlin, my wife, was one of the girls I was trying to get pregnant. And when I saw her, I was like, I'm in love with that girl. It was one day. It was quick. She was in a relationship, and I was just getting out. And so seven years later, when she was not in a relationship, I wasn't, we got back together.
2: So what do you think it was?
0: Well, we talked about theater. It was shooting in New York, and she loved theater. We talked about Disney. She loved that, dancing. And so she told me later, well, I thought you were gay. I'm like, really? Okay. Because that's why we exchanged numbers or whatever. She said, oh, he's gay. I can be Okay, well... (laughs) There's this interesting word that I found. I was talking about it recently. It's a Norwegian term. It's called Forelsket. It means this indescribable euphoria you feel when you start to fall in love, that thing. But I think that's what I felt. There was that spark. And then I didn't think I was so romantic because I don't remember being as romantic with anyone else. You know, what you do is you just put time and effort and not to make it look like that, but you just do, right? She loved Disney. So I proposed to her at Disneyland.
2: Wait, how did you guys meet back
0: up again? So she was in a relationship. We texted a little bit, and she said, you know, I can't text you anymore. I'm okay. Oh, it's okay. And then I was following her on Instagram, but I noticed that she'd become single. So I think I was texting again, and then I went into the soundstage across from Mom. I walked onto the set of Fuller House, and she was in the audience. And I said, Oh, what are you doing? Stalking me? She's like, No. Her roommate was on the show, was doing a guest spot. I said, Oh, no, I don't even think I had her phone. Number. I said, Hey, we should connect again. Did. And then we started dating.
2: You must have been elated.
0: Yes. <laughs> One of our first big dates was at Disney World. We were at Epcot, and I was wearing a hat and glasses, you know, how you get around, and nobody was recognizing me. And I thought, hmm, I've got to have some people recognize me to impress this girl. You know, in retrospect, that was the last thing I needed to do to impress her. But I took off my glasses, and I'm looking around, trying to, like, make eye contact. Have you ever done this? You know what I'm talking about?
2: I haven't, but I'm not a man. Yeah. My technique for impressing is slightly different.
0: <laughs> what is it?
2: It's a little more like, I'm going to wear this, Vintage Rolling Stone T-shirt, yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna be like the most fun person. <laughs> I don't know those kinds of ding dong ideas. All those ding
0: dong ideas. So I thought it was that, and so I took my glass of no reason. Why. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm sorry. All right, I'm gonna take my hat off. My hair's famous. That should work. Throw my hat off, you know. And she's like, "What are you doing? I'm like nothing. You're trying to get recognized, are you? No, I'm not." And she's termed that Epcotting. You're Epcotting.
2: You guys were already having familiar banter. <laughs> yeah, we were. If there's like that thread of familiarity, I love that. I think there's a kind of beauty in that.
0: Yeah, beauty and you know busting my balls, I think. But also, to me, it was, this is who I want to be with. I don't want to be with, you know, you think you want to be with someone who's enamored with you or whatever the fuck. But, you know, she never watched me on TV. She didn't know any full house or anything. And so you go, oh, that's what it said to me anyway.
2: You know, I think that age has also given me the ability to love better. Yeah. You know, like we always in this industry, especially women, guys don't as much, but shy away from the mortality idea because we oftentimes calculate ourselves through the eyes of others. And I don't want to subscribe to that.
0: But with your husband, how long have you guys been together?
2: We've been together since 2017.
0: Okay. We and met I'm on a movie. So did you have those things with him? Like, did you have those moments like we just talked about that I had?
2: I couldn't believe... We were the only two people, a part of the production that were staying at the same hotel. Mm. And he was the DP... And I didn't know him that well at all. I probably hadn't spoken much at all to him. Mm-hmm. He's a quiet man. And he'd gotten to the elevator when I was in the elevator. And I was going to a producer's dinner.
0: Right.
2: And I was overcome with relief that he was going to.
0: Maybe you didn't have a crush on him yet or anything. But you felt like, oh, I could talk to him. Because you said you didn't know him.
2: He makes really steady, trustful eye contact. Uh-huh. Like... He would really look me in the eyes Uh. and I said, oh, I'm so glad you're going. Hmm. And I found out later that he did not want to go. He had made reservations. He's crazy about sushi at this really like exclusive is the incorrect word because it's not fancy. Anyway, this sushi place in Vancouver that only seats like six people and you can't talk during sushi. And he was really looking forward to it. Anyway, but he came with me, Uh and then we took a long walk after dinner. That night? That night. I said, will you go on a walk with me? And he said, yeah, yeah, of course. And I just talked the whole time. I was lonely, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was searching, and he was just taking me in with such kindness and generosity and empathy without an agenda. He just instantly made me feel incredibly safe. Wow. John, I was also thinking how lucky those young actors are to have you in their lives as their coach.
0: It's interesting how it switches in a blink of an eye. I'm sure maybe you felt like you were the youngest on the set, and then all of a sudden, kids are looking at us. Again, like 10 years ago, I don't know what kind of example I was, but now it's like, I know, I get there on time, early, know my lines. I always came close to mentors, older men, usually, because my dad died relatively young, so I was always gravitated towards that energy. Jack Klugman was one of my first ones who was on The Odd Couple, and he was a great actor. And then Gary Marshall, Then years later, Don Rickles was like my second father for you know the last 10 years of his life.
2: I read that, that Don was a big influence in your life.
0: Sometimes I'll do a joke and my wife will say, you're not Rickles, don't try it, stop, (laughs) you know. Hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. Hi, guys. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing
1: great.
2: Derek, I can't thank you enough for your letter. Will you tell us all what's going on?
1: Yeah. So I'm 33. I've been single for a while, and I find myself kind of jumping in and out of these relationships and finding myself getting really, really bored in relationships with people who love me and treat me right.
0: Right, sure. Right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, I did some therapy and tried a few things and... Definitely stayed single for a while just to figure out, like, is it me? Is it not being comfortable enough alone? And so then I jumped back in and tried another relationship and found somebody who liked me and who wanted me. And the sex was good. And then it's like I wake up one day after about six months and it's like that fire just goes out. And so then I stay in the relationship for about another year.
2: With resentment. Did you find yourself maybe picking fights without reason?
1: No, the relationships rarely ever had any conflict. But did you make conflict out of it? No. So I end up finding myself continuing these relationships, hoping that, you know, the ebb and flow will balance out. Like maybe that attraction will come back to them because I still care for them and maybe even have some love for them. But the sexual desire, the relationship desire, like it just disappears overnight.
2: Well, I do think that there is a past relationship that is haunting Derek. I'm interested to hear about how much you think about this ex.
1: So this ex was present in my life from the time I was 16 until about the time I was 29.
2: God, that's young.
1: Oh, yeah. Met on MySpace back in the day. Messaged him because we had the same name and was just like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Went from there. And then naturally, realizing my sexuality, it all kind of fell into place. And I was like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. Like, this is that feeling that I see in movies and listen to in songs And of course, 16-year-old me just fell head over heels in love with this dude. And, you know, he made me feel safe. He made me feel protected, but he never really made me feel loved. And so the relationship ended, I guess, after a few months. And then like maybe a year later, we got back together. And then we continued this pattern off and on for 11 years. So like I would go and date somebody else after he cheats on me or, or something like that. And, you know, my other relationship will run its course and then naturally, like, oh, I'm lonely. Oh, well, let's go back to him. And the cycle would just repeat, you know, and almost like the infidelity, the insecurity, the cheating would almost get more intense, more severe over time. And it only made me want to more. So back in 2015, I had just gotten my teaching degree, did my student teaching and realized public school system is not for me. (laughs) So he said, hey, well, I'm moving out to Asia. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, fuck, Asia. Can I just go to Asia? I was like, where? He's like, I'm going to Vietnam to expand my business. And I was like, cool, let's go. But as friends, because like we're done, done, right? And he was like, yeah, we're done. And then, of course, we were not done. Of
2: course, yeah. You don't go to Vietnam as friends.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we had never even lived together in the past. And then we just moved there together. I fell back into the pattern of falling hopelessly in love with him and... To give you a little insight into the relationship, it's like every time you would pick up his phone, I'd be like, oh, who's he texting? And then I would start doing things to like pull that attention. And I feel like my brain kind of established that as passion.
2: Was he unfaithful in Vietnam?
0: Yeah. I think you guys are in a pattern of hurting each other. Hopefully you've stopped, right? Are you guys finished now?
1: Oh, yeah. So it finally reached a point. I had a major tragedy happen in my life while I was living abroad. I had gotten a call one morning that my mother had killed herself.
0: Uh, Oh,
2: gosh. Oh, Derek.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Thank you. This was six years ago.
2: Oh, gosh. I'm really sorry, Derek. Derek.
1: And, you know, he wasn't like the warmest person and he's a little bit on the autism spectrum. So things are a little bit more black and white to him, not so emotional. And there was this moment where maybe I had found out like two or three hours prior about my mom. And, you know, I'm kind of just like pacing around the house. I'm going through all the different stages really quickly. And after the shock wore off, I started to get angry. Right. And kind of like yelling i'm kind of like not understanding and like i'm not yelling at him but i'm I'm emoting sure and he says you know you're you're being kind of a dick and if you want me to just go get you a hotel room until you're over this let me know oh god
2: so you're going to pay sh- for like a decade of hotel room? like
1: And
0: the therapy, please. <laughs> <laughs> but that must have told you right there, Derek, that this is the wrong dude. It was. It's almost like it was a good thing that you saw his true colors at that moment. Because like, must have made it easier to go, fuck you, and that's it. And you're a heartless piece of shit, and I'm not going to be with you anymore. And I can't look back.
1: And you know, you'd think it would have been the moment. But, you know, I just had the biggest pillar of support abruptly removed out of my life. And he was the only other person in my life. And... I just couldn't imagine taking that other leg out from under me. So I stuck around with him for maybe about another year and a half and naturally my grief and how I'm dealing with everything started to really come to a head. I started to develop really, really bad anxiety and we owned a bar in Saigon together and he was working at the bar and I was at home trying to go to bed and I had this really, really bad panic attack and I kept trying to call him and he wasn't answering. Obviously busy at the bar, whatever. And I texted him. I said, hey, I just need you to talk to me real quick. I just need five minutes. I need you to help calm me down. And he said, you know, you always pick the worst times to do this. Oh, man. And that was the moment that I was like, I'm done. And honestly, it took me about a week to really process that emotion. And of course, with my friends and stuff and talking it through. But it was the first time in that 11 years of dating him that I felt like I had finally gotten over him, that I didn't want him anymore. Like I have zero desire to ever be with him again. And it's been really, really liberating. Good.
2: So here are my questions, though. How long ago was the last time you guys had contact?
1: Let's see. It was a year before I left Vietnam. And then I spent three and a half years in Taiwan. So this was for...
2: Oh, wow. So you left Vietnam... And then you moved to Taiwan. Why did you do that? That's amazing.
1: To prove to myself that I could, that I could do something like this by myself without my mom, without him. Did you do well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got established and I got a job teaching, but eventually, you know, I started to feel unfulfilled. Things back home, things in the wake of my mother's death had not really been sealed yet and still haven't been sealed. Is your father still around? He is. They were divorced for most of my life. But he and I are pretty close. That's good. That's good. But things eventually got to a point in Taiwan where I got really, really depressed. Therapy wasn't doing it anymore. I finally sought out medication. And that got me to a point where I was like, okay, I can move home. I just moved back this year.
2: When I read your letter, I was thinking about the collective uncertainty that a lot of us feel right now. Like the pressure to make decisions. But Derek, I want to know how much you think about him.
1: Well, after I broke up with him, I didn't make the best decision to jump into another relationship. I had a cousin, like a third cousin, twice removed kind of situation who lived in Vietnam as well. And he was like, oh, I have a friend who has a little brother who's also gay. Y'all should be friends. And so I met up with this guy to be friends. And then, you know, maybe in my insecurity and stability, my need to like cling on to something for support. I just ended up in another relationship and stayed with him literally until I left to Taiwan tears, heartbreak, all of that. That was the first moment that I was like, this is a happy relationship. This is a guy who cares about me and does things for me and makes me feel validated. Why don't I want it? Right. Sometimes we're attracted to getting hurt, right?
0: The key here, I think, too, is how to move forward, right? A big part of that long-term relationship was right when you came out, right? You realized you were gay and he was there and that I would think would carry a a lot.
2: It kind of makes me think he really took advantage of you. It was interesting. The first thing you said about him, your ex, was that he made you feel safe mm. when the other things that you describe don't feel safe at all. Yeah. Did you live mostly with your mom?
0: Yeah. You felt safe with your mom too. Like during all this, when you were there, could you call her and talk to her about what was going on
1: with this guy? Oh, no. I didn't come out to her until later in life. Oh, okay. So maybe that's what I mean by safe is that most of my adulthood, I've really been on my own without really any support financially or otherwise. And I guess with him, I felt like, oh, he has his shit together. If I start to falter, if I fall, he'll be there, right? Like, I won't end up on the street. I won't end up on drugs. You see a lot of horror stories happening with gay people when sure. they finally venture out into the world as yep. adults. And, you know, he made me feel like I had a safety net. Not emotional safety, though.
2: <laughs> right. Uh. But like a bed and food. Ah, oh, man.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: And and in your letter you write that you're worried, forgive me if I'm adjusting this a little bit, that you're heavily attracted to the jealousy, infidelity, and that pattern of partner that is really exciting. And then also makes you feel like shit
1: yeah it is that and i didn't realize that until maybe about a year and a half ago the last guy that i was dating in taiwan the same thing happened where the passion was really high in the beginning and then woke up one day and it was just gone but i still had very strong emotional attraction to him i still loved to spend time with him and had love but the desire for sex was gone the desire to be all lovey-dovey and buy gifts it was just gone those kind of things do go, Derek, after a while. And then what's left there is, is
0: to be someone that you love and you care about. And someone that you, you do want to do things with and do for. But for me, like, I remember when I first started dating my wife, I was madly in love with her. And I'd come off some relationships that were crazy. And like you were saying, you become very attracted to that nutty shit that goes on. And I thought my wife was a tad boring. And I was like, she doesn't take chances. She's just kind of safe. And Now I love that about her. I know. Her. I'm so grateful that she's not all over the place and trying to be famous, and putting herself out there. I mean, she does all that with like charity now, but those boring things, you're going to like them in the long run in a relationship, right, Anna?
2: Yeah, I like being in a
0: relationship
2: and I find a lot of solace in that and I would always crave that. But I also understand that a lot of people are incredibly happy being single, but feel the social pressure to be in a relationship. Where do you think you are on that
1: spectrum? So After the last ex and I broke up before I moved back to the States this year, he had pointed out that he was doing a couple of little experiments in our relationship. He would pull back a little bit to see what I would do. And then he would tell me like, hey, I pulled back and you started to like want me more. What is that about? And I was like, I don't know what that's about. It was valuable information.
0: You may have a bad picker, Derek, right? I had one for a long time.
2: You've been trained And you know what I think is really amazing about you, Derek, is that you're not framing it like that. Because the first thing that I saw in your letter was like, you were young, you know, even though he was only a few years older, he was older and you're in a place where maybe the whole coming out was, I'm sure, like not the easiest thing.
1: It was different then, yeah.
2: I wonder if that's sort of the association too with safety, because... I don't think he did much to make you feel safe at all. If he has the inclination to tell you that now is not the best time for me.
1: Mm -hmm. It was fucked.
2: I'm really glad that seared into your memory.
1: Oh, yeah. It was definitely the step for me to like climb over this and get over it. Derek, you
0: seem like a really sweet young man. I can see your smile. You're emanating this sort of love. You know, I couldn't imagine growing up and feeling like I was on my own. And it sounds like you didn't have that as much. So you were gravitating towards any little bit of it that you get from any of these dudes, especially the first one. But, you know, like I've been talking about this a lot. Like I'm 59 and this didn't happen until I was 54 or 55 when I met her. And I knew I wanted to be in a relationship, as I think you do. I stopped trying. I started working on myself And it sort of came to me, but it wasn't like, it didn't look like I was going to spend the rest of my life, Caitlin, because I was trying to talk myself out of it like you do. But then I just stopped trying to control it. We really don't have much control. We certainly come out of this pandemic. Now we know we never fucking had any control. So the thing that I did is work on myself. I can't make anybody do anything. I got to be the best version of me that I can be. And I know that sounds cheesy, whatever. But as soon as I did that, the fuzziness went away from me. I was sober. I had to get sober. And then all of a sudden, this person came into my life.
2: That you could see. Yes. And you could accept her honest love. Yes. That's a hard thing. I couldn't do that at 33. It took me till I was 40.
0: Yeah. But Derek's sharper than us. I think he's already way more together than the two of us put together just by looking at him and talking to him now.
1: That's very flattering. <laughs> Thank you. but Look at
0: that smile. You got it, man. Just sit back and be a good person like you are and work on yourself. The good thing is that you've been through some shitty, you know, relationships. And you go, okay, I know I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that one guy who's playing games with me and trying to figure out if I love him. I don't want that. So you'll start to narrow down what you need and it'll come to you. I could tell you're a good man. Do
2: you regret the breakup with the third cousin friend?
1: Oh, oh, I regret how I hurt him because he was very heartbroken and he was left in Vietnam. And I, I was off to greener pastures, you know what I mean? So it was a lot easier for me to like move on physically and emotionally. I do regret ending the relationship, but I don't regret not sticking around because I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. I had a lot more healing to do. There was a lot of things with my mom's death that I hadn't really worked on put in the emotional labor. I mean, it felt like I was in a sinking ship and I was jumping and grabbing onto anybody, but I kept pulling people down with me. And when they would sink, I would jump onto another one. But you know, yes, it was
0: painful, but I mean, you saved him from the big pain of sticking it out.
2: There's something about being in a dramatic relationship. You get to indulge in the pain and the euphoria. And it kind of feels like you're always in that place of petty excitement like when you first start dating someone but it's not sustainable and it's exhausting
1: how did you get away from that
2: age
0: It is attractive. There's a great book called The Molecule of More, which talks about how you want these endorphins to be released. And we're attracted to that. Being in a relationship like that, it comes out. And certainly if that's what you grew up in, it felt comfortable. When you get into that weird, shitty place, it's like your place. You feel good. But to get out of it is the key. And it sounds like you said something earlier. You wanted to work on yourself. You wanted to fix those things. You want to deal with your mother. That's the right path. And not to look back. I mean, you got enough from the past, I think.
2: You're wise beyond your years, Derek. I'm super impressed by you. I bet that you witnessed a lot. You look like you're an observer. And that could be linked to when someone loves you well, that it feels boring. Yeah. That it feels too safe. I really think it's interesting that you described Ryan as a safe relationship. I wonder if you should reframe that in your head a little bit.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's probably a good idea.
2: You kind of romanticized a little bit the early portion Not that I want you to linger in the past when we have these heartbreaks and torture at a young age. I think it makes us vulnerable and raw. I think it also makes us more empathetic. I think it definitely makes us guarded. The practical thing, I guess I would say, would be to maybe be single for a minute, but not actively. And attempt to not withdraw when someone's giving you love, even though that's hard. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. I remember when I started dating my wife, because I had a lot of the same things. Like, this isn't exciting enough. I don't... Like, it sounds like you've had the exciting, the thing with the first guy, sex was great, fireworks, right? And then you've had the stable dude who was a little too stable and you weren't crazy in love with him and you missed some of the fireworks up and down. By the way, the fireworks go away, right? So you have to be open to finding someone who has both and you will get that.
2: And you can still have the fireworks when you really know someone, which takes effort, but when you trust someone and you know you're both committed, the fireworks can be even more amazing.
0: You deserve it. You will get it. I promise you. But just look for it and go a little further than you might. Yes. And you know what I did? I said, you know what? I don't know if this is it, but I'm going to put all of my effort. I'm going to give every fucking thing I have to this relationship. And if it doesn't work out, then I know how to do that. I know that process. And luckily it worked out. But if it didn't, I knew that I gave it everything that I had. There's no rush. It could happen in three weeks. <laughs> you could be right. Don't put a time on Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: I mean, honestly, my head has both of your opinions, like combating each other all the time because it's like, well, you're only getting older. Your looks are only going to fade. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't worry about that.
2: You have so much to offer. You're so smart. You're worldly. You are attentive. You're empathetic. And we don't have to label ourselves for eternity, you know? You're not going to be drawn to drama or pain or people that hurt you forever, especially because you're already like recognizing sort of some of these ideas. You're in a total place of transition right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not fair for you to judge your future.
1: When your mom killed herself, you didn't come home? I came back for the funeral, came back a couple of years later for a visit and then stayed in Asia for five years.
0: So I'm sure you're in the process of dealing with your mom's death still. Yeah. And
2: you certainly were with somebody who didn't hear you. Yeah.
1: That's absolutely true. There was a part of me not coming back to the States that definitely felt like I was a bit like an ostrich. You know, I was sticking my head in the sand. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to come back. And then eventually it, you know, came to a head where it's like, oh, the problem is so large that you have to go back and deal with it. And now that I'm back and I'm cleaning out that closet, so to speak, things are getting a lot better and I'm really starting go. to you know, see that light. And this is the whole reason I wrote in is because like, I've been single for a year and a half now and I'm like, am I about ready to start dating again? But I'm really fearful of repeating this pattern of dating guys who are good guys because there were like four after Ryan whose hearts I just broke. And I don't want to keep doing that. But not on purpose, right? No, not on purpose. You didn't do it to be mean. But also, when
0: the next guy comes around, and he's going to, and there's something there, just think of our annoying voices interrupting each other in your head saying, "Stay most and honor." <laughs> they told me to be <laughs> patient, be kind, work on myself, give it my all. Just hear our voices and it'll be okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: and you'll be able to flag some things.
0: Yeah, it's good like that.
2: I think the next time you find somebody that you're into that maybe is kind and slightly boring, but smart and stable and really into you, maybe it's an interesting idea for you to do acts of generosity.
0: Towards that person? Yeah. For sure.
2: Because your first relationship was with somebody who was controlling. You describe it safe. And that was your first experience. And it lasted for a long time. So maybe there's some kind of advice in the attempt to be a caretaker. And see how that element feels.
1: That's very poignant. I like that advice. Oh, good. I guess I'm kind of used to those acts of generosity being spawned by something else, being spawned by perhaps jealousy and insecurity, doing generous things to grab attention instead of doing generous things because you care about the person. Huh. There's also a thing that
0: I've tried to do too when I was in some of these moments like you've been, and it was just like... Be of service like get out of your own self and go help somebody go to a shelter go to a thing whatever your charity might be be of service you know put yourself back did you feel better
1: or worse after talking to us
2: yeah how did we do
1: yeah no i feel great <laughs> i mean obviously this is something that i spend a lot of time thinking about too much
2: derek you gotta ease up on yourself yeah this is why i brought it up too is that i noticed so many people putting so much pressure on themselves to get the whole thing figured out Mm -hmm. when you have a lot of time and you just moved back to the States after having been abroad forever in a very different kind of chaos, you know?
1: Is there just a way to break the imprint, though? You know, I do feel like a bit of a duckling. It was my first experience. That's what I followed forever. I think you're thinking
0: about it too much, and you got it together. If you can, just go think of others for a little while. See what that does for you.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: You're not cemented into this at all. You are not going to be drawn to abusive people for the rest of your life. You're just at a moment right now where you're 33, which is like the new 19. (laughs) And there's been a lot of shift and not as much noise. So you are with yourself a little more.
1: Is that your mom's house or is that the house you... This is my brother's house.
0: Oh, and how's that relationship? How's he doing?
1: We're two very different people. He's more of a cowboy and I clearly am not. But is
0: he kind? Does he listen? Is he been helpful?
1: He's letting me stay here for free. We've never really been very close, but I'm using this time to really rebuild our relationship because we haven't been close at all as adults.
2: Derek, I'm so impressed by you. Oh, Please know that. Truly, I love that you describe people with a huge degree of generosity, without resentment. That's a character quality that is incredibly admirable.
1: Oh, thank you. I've been working really hard these last few years. So a little bit of acknowledgement does go a long way. Thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. Will you hug your brother? Tell him, like, thank you. You'll get it
0: back. He wants to love you.
1: Yeah. And things have gotten so much better with us. Oh, good. Are you there for him, as Anna said earlier? Yeah. Like, I've been doing a lot of things with him that really bring no benefit to me. Good, good.
2: Good. Laugh at his dumb jokes.
1: Oh, I do. (laughs) Good. Laugh at our dumb jokes. Oh, I do.
2: (laughs) You know, the more love you
0: give. I think you got it together.
2: Yeah. I believe in you. I think that you're really, really
0: strong and you're really, really smart. Thank you. Derek, it was really nice to meet you, and I can speak for
1: myself. I got a lot out of it. It was an absolute pleasure for me to meet you, too. I mean, something I wouldn't think I would have had a chance to, so I really thank you for your time.
2: I can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Derek. Nice to meet you.
2: John.
0: Anna. What a delightful 10 hours we've had here together. I know. You are fantastic. You're so funny. You're so sweet. Everything is just right on the surface, and that's what makes a great entertainer, a great podcaster, and a good friend and a good wife, I'm sure. And a good mother. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this. You know what? You are qualified.
2: Thank you so, so very much. You're welcome. For everything, for your generosity. I didn't want to overuse that word, but that was what I keep thinking. You have a generosity of spirit that's unparalleled. Thank you. I really appreciate you.